Turn with me tonight to Hebrews chapter 3. Let's read the word of God together. Hebrews chapter 3. to read from verse 1. Have your Bible there. Turn to the place. Let's follow the reading together. It's good to hear God's word. Better to see it. The words will come up on the screen for all who are online. And we would encourage you, as I've said before, to find a copy of the Bible and follow the reading, if you can, in your own copy of the Scriptures. Reading tonight, of course, from the most faithful and reliable translation of the Holy Scriptures, the authorized version. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who had builded the house had more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? 
So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text this evening is taken from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Let's read it together. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, I've entitled this message tonight, The Danger of Hardening Your Heart. I believe it's a very interesting fact that these words that I've read in your hearing are found four times in the Bible. For those who were here this morning, they're found in Psalm 95 at the end of verse 7 right through to verse 11. And here in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, and if you look with me at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, it says, While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. And if you come over again in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7, it says again, He limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, I believe tonight that every word of God is pure. Every word is profitable. That there's nothing insignificant in any of the words of the Holy Scripture. Every word, every line, every verse is all written for our instruction and edification. There's not one word that could be set aside. Not one word could be treated lightly or in a flippant, careless manner. In other words, there's no irrelevant words that do not matter in the Holy Scriptures. See, remember the Lord Jesus said, Matthew 4 and 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Paul says in all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, if the Lord says something once, I believe that we should listen to what the Lord is saying. But if he says the same thing the second time, but we have repetition, that stands out even more. That's very significant. We're to take note of it. We're to pay attention to it. However, when the Lord repeats something, not only once or twice or three times, but four times, then remember four is the number of completion, according to biblical hermeneutics. And we have, when the Lord says a thing four times, a complete revelation of God's heart and mind in that particular subject. And we're to pay the strictest and closest attention to it. Now, what is this subject about? It's about one thing, the danger of hardening your heart. You see, these verses that I have read form a message about the danger of hardness of heart. Hardness of heart to God and his word is a terrible reality. It happened, of course, to the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. 
And as a result of the hardness of the heart, because of their sin and unbelief, they never entered the promised land. And I want to tell you something else, that it is an awful reality that in our day and generation, many who hear the word of God and show or display hardness of heart due to a love of sin or unbelief will never enter into the life of spiritual rest that's found in Christ. Our subject tonight I've entitled, The Danger of Hardening Your Heart. Now, how do you harden your heart? Let me answer that. First of all, there's a failure to discern the greatest privilege ever. Look at the text. Verse 7, Hebrews 3. Wherefore is the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice? Now, what is the greatest privilege in the world that a person can enjoy? And here's the answer. God speaking personally and powerfully to you. Today, if ye will hear his voice. So I put it to you tonight that hearing his voice is the greatest privilege ever for any individual to experience. And that's not my view or my opinion. The Holy Ghost is saying this, the third person of the Holy Trinity. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you'll hear his voice. You think of the history of the children of Israel. How did God speak to them? He spoke to them through the fathers. Listen to Paul, Hebrews 1 and 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. I want you to think of the patriarchal fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I want you to think of how God spake through Moses and the other prophets. They stood before the people and said, Thus and thus saith the Lord. We read in the scriptures how God spake directly from Mount Sinai when he gave the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. God, of course, during the time of the tabernacle and into the temple worship, spoke through the urim and the thummim, instruments that were used as part of the tabernacle and temple worship. God, of course, spoke via dreams and via visions. And in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. In other words, the God of heaven never left himself without a witness. The children of Israel never were left without a word from God. And that word was a word of mercy, comfort, and hope. But it was also a word of warning. You see, in the Old Testament... We read, thus and thus saith the Lord. In other words, the Lord's truth was brought to their hearing. And, and, and in the New Testament, the, the uh, reality is that God has spoken to us through his Son. And here's the words of the Holy Spirit today, if you will hear his voice. You see, the Holy Spirit, who divinely inspired these words, these words that are inerrant, God's truth is heard because it was spoken forth. God has never left himself without a witness. The prophet asked this question, is there any word from the Lord? And the answer is yes. That was true in the days of Israel, true of the days of the people in the New Testament era, and it's true of people 
today. Ehud told Eglon, I have a message from God for you. A word from God, a word from, for sinners. And if we think of one of the things that God says to sinners over there in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, he makes this tremendous uh, statement. He says, come now. That's a lovely word, come. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So I want you to think of the Lord speaking in covenant love and mercy to individuals. The interesting thing is that in the law of first reference, we read in Genesis 3 verse 8 that Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord God in the garden in the cool of the day. It says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? Now the voice of the Lord God is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I, I trust that you know that. Over there in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12, the Apostle John, he was in the Isle of Patmos. And remember, he was given that tremendous vision of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as he is now in glory. And this is what we read there. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot. See, when John turned... To see the voice that spake, the voice was none other than the voice of the exalted Lord Jesus Christ. You think of this in Eden. Jesus Christ came personally himself to speak to our first parents as the voice of the Lord God. He is the word of God. They had sinned against him. They had transgressed his law. They had broken the covenant of works. They tried to cover up their sin with the works of their hands. But Jesus Christ, of course, had mercy on Adam and Eve. And in his mercy, he had a message for them. And the heart of that message was what? It was the first gospel promise. Listen to what he says there in Genesis chapter 3 and in the verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. There's the first gospel promise. And when we come to the leg of Acts 9 and think about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, remember he's on the road to Damascus. He's an evil man. He's a blasphemer. He's a godless religious man, unregenerate in his sin. And yet he was stopped in his tracks by the voice of the Lord. Listen to what we read there in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 9 and then the verse 4 and 5. Here's what's said. Acts 9, 4 and 5. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. See, Christ spoke to Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He, he spoke his name. He told him it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He spoke in truth, he spoke in love, and he spoke in mercy. 
And I'm saying tonight what a glorious, great privilege that is to hear the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord, of course, calls for a response. That word is faithful and true. And of course, there has to be a a faithful and a fruitful response to that word. Young people, we live in a day when there's the call of the world for your attention. The world says this, here's the world's philosophy, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you die. Live for today. You're born, live out your life, work hard, party hard, and then you die. There's no God and no gospel, no heaven, no hell. But the call of the word, the voice of the Lord God, Jesus Christ himself, when he comes to speak, he does something in love and mercy. He exposes your sin. He explains the way of salvation. And he extends to you the promise. And the promise is this. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, the Lord has a message of eternal life for you, a message of hope, a message of blessing, a message of comfort. And, of course, the world doesn't want you to have that message or or to hear that message. What I'm saying is this. Today, you and I have the greatest possible privilege in the whole world. God is speaking. And you're going to ask me, well, how is God speaking to me? Well, God speaks to you through the preaching of the word. The preaching of the word is a powerful means of grace. And on the Lord's day, not only through the reading, but the preaching of the word, we should realize that God has spoken, but more than that, God is speaking to me. The Bible says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to see of them that believe. Paul exhorted Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. But you can hear the voice of the Lord through a personal testimony. And sometime in September, when we revive a family night, we're going to have a personal testimony uh, from a young man that I had the joy of leading to the Lord. The Lord also speaks through life circumstances and situation. When trouble comes, it's the voice of the Lord. Whenever there's sickness in the home, it's the voice of the Lord. Whenever death and calamity comes, it's the voice of the Lord because he's reminding us about life and its reality and how fickle and feeble life is. What a wonderful privilege it is to hear the gospel, the good news of Christ, and be pricked and troubled in our heart. And ultimately, through the word and these other circumstances that I've explained, even by way of testimony, God is speaking to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And his call to us is repent and believe the gospel. His call to us is, it is better to trust in the Lord and to put confidence in man. That's the central message of the Bible. Psalm 118 verses 8 and 9. And what a privilege and honor it is of hearing his voice generally and specifically about our sin, about our soul, the Savior, and the need of salvation. And you've been privileged many times to hear the voice of the Lord. Hardening your heart is a failure to discern the greatest possible privilege. The second thing is this. Hardening your heart is a failure to discover the greatest possible provocation ever. Look at our text. 
In verse 8, it says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Suppose you heard the voice of a friend calling out to you, calling your name, and you're ignoring that voice. You pretend that you didn't hear, or worse than that, you just rebel. So let's say you're walking down the path, and your friend calls out to you. We'll say your name's James. Uh, James! And you just walk on with your back to that person. Pretend you're not hearing. Ignore the voice. You don't turn around. You just walk in and you close your front door. That's provocation. What about a child to a father? Whenever a father speaks to a child or a young person and that young person hardens their heart and closes their ears and pretends they're not listening or worse, rebels against that. Word of advice. That's provocation. But let's lift it up from the friend, from the father. It's his voice. It's the voice of the Lord. And when the voice of the Lord is heard, not only is there a failure to discern the greatest possible privilege, but there's a failure to discover the greatest possible provocation. Hardening your heart, closing your ears, and stubbornly rejecting that voice. See, God's word is to be obeyed. God's word is to be believed. God's word is to be received. The Bible says in Acts 17, verse 30, that um, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And how many have heard with the ear, understood a little with the mind, and yet willfully and stubbornly chose to reject that message. Think of Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey him. You know, this is a common sin. Remember in Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, Lot, whenever he was ordered by the angels to leave Sodom, he, he went to his sons-in-law and he spoke to them. They heard him. And the Bible says in verse 14, and he seemed as one that mocked. In other words, they heard, they understood a little, but they stubbornly chose to reject that message. Think of the Lord Jesus, how he wept over Jerusalem, over there in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. And these are very, very sad words that I'm about to read. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. And this is what we read. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as an hen gather her chickens under her wings? And ye would not. Think of old Felix. He sent for Paul. I want to hear this man. And we read there in Acts chapter 24, verse 25, that Paul reasoned to him of righteousness and of temperance and of judgment to come. And we read that Felix trembled. And yet what did he say? He said this, when I have a more convenient season, I'll call for thee. You see, this is a common sin, this provocation. Why? Well, let me try and explain why if I can't. Pride. I'm a good free Presbyterian. I'm a Protestant, you know. I'm a member of the Orange Order. 
I'm a member of such and such a church. I, I'm a religious person. And you're saying to me, I need to repent of a sin and receive Christ as my Savior and, and, and bow down and, and tell God I'm a sinner. I'm not going to do that. You see, that's what pride is. What about procrastination? Proverbs 27 and 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. I have plenty of time. I, I'm a teenager. I'll wait. I'll not get saved now. I'll do it at another time. What about a preference for sin? The Bible tells us that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And people, because of the love of a sinful lifestyle, if they're not willing to repent of and give up, they, 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 they want to live in their sin without the Savior. Think of those that are addicted to alcohol and those that are addicted to uh, immorality and, and those who are in ungodly relationships and maybe it's uh, the sin of gambling or, or something else. And, and they have a love for that. And they know that if they got converted, they would have to give it up. And because of that preference for that sin and that lifestyle, they, 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 they procrastinate. And they are behaving provocatively before the Lord. The children of Israel's problem was this. It was unbelief. They did not believe in God. And they certainly didn't believe God and his word. It was as if they were wiser than God, as if they knew better, as if they knew more. And how many, of course, are like that? We don't believe in the doctrine of sin. We don't believe in Jesus Christ, heaven and hell. We're better than God. We're wiser than God. We, we don't need God in our lives. We don't need to repent of our sin. And that's a problem. And that's exactly what he said. If you think of Hebrews 3 and verse 19. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. So it's a failure to discover the greatest possible provocation. Thirdly, hardness of heart is because of a failure to desist from the greatest possible peril. You see, if I told you there's danger ahead in the path that you're traveling, would you stop and think? And how many on the road of life have a failure to desist from the greatest possible peril? What perils do people face? What about forgetting the reality of their soul? Remember the Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 8 and this is what he said in verse 35. He made this statement. Mark chapter 8 and verse uh, 35. Let me read it to you. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, the greatest possession tonight that any individual has is their immortal soul. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, And is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. And here's an appointment that men will not miss. One day will die. Sometime the clock of life will stop for you. The place where you live will know you no more. And when you die, and where you die, and the way you die has already been appointed. 
And you can miss a doctor's appointment, you can miss a dentist's appointment, you can miss a job appointment, but this is one appointment you won't miss, one appointment you will keep. And that day is the day that the soul leaves your body, and that's what death is. Nineteen times the Bible talks about giving up the ghost. And death is the soul leaving the body. We spoke to the children this morning. We mentioned Rachel, Genesis 35 and verse 18. And it talks about when her soul was a departing. Remember the Lord Jesus said in Luke 20, sorry, Luke 12 and 20, speaking of the rich farmer, thy fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. And that was his last night on earth. That was a man who was living with the philosophy, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. And yet that was his last night on earth. And how many feel, well, if I lose my life on this earth, my suffering will be over. Not necessarily. Remember in Luke 16, verse 12, 22, we read, the rich man died and was buried, and in hell lift up his eyes, being in torment. You see, today, today, God has spared your life. God has kept you and me alive. God is the God in whose hand our very breath is. Life's a gift. It's very precious. Every day is precious. Every hour, every minute, every second is precious. Time is the gift of God. But time will come to an end as we know it. Let me illustrate. There's a preacher in the United States. I believe he was in the Tennessee Valley. And he was preaching at a what we would call a a gospel campaign, they call it a revival campaign. There was a young man in the meeting and he was visibly moved to tears. Obviously the voice of God was speaking to him. And this is what the preacher said, and I quote, There's someone sitting here tonight listening to my voice as the voice of God to your soul and as the voice of God is speaking to you. Tomorrow you will be in God's hell. Now, that young man was spoken to But he said to the man at the door, I'll come back tomorrow night. Do you know, tomorrow night never came. Because sadly, he was killed in a car accident on the way home. Forget the reality of your soul. What about the resisting of God's spirit? Genesis 6 and 3 says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. The Bible talks about man being stiff-necked and uncircumcised his heart. And who's doing the speaking here today, if you will hear his voice? The answer is the Holy Ghost himself. It's not what I have emphasized. It's not what I've read to you. Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore is the Holy Ghost saith today? The Holy Ghost is speaking. Your heart is tender. Maybe your heart is tearful. Maybe your heart has been touched and you're a teenager. But you're thinking to yourself, well, I have plenty of time. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'll wait till I'm in the 20s and, and then I've enjoyed life a little bit. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, I'll wait till I get married and have a wife and a few children. Maybe you're thinking, I'll wait till I'm 30 or 40 or, or wait till I'm in middle life or, or I'll wait till I'm older. I want to say tonight, boast not thyself of tomorrow for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. You're in dangerous ground because not only are you forgetting the reality of your soul, but you're resisting God's spirit. Isaiah 65 and 12 says, I have called, but ye have refused. Proverbs 29, and says, He that been often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Hardening your heart, becoming callous, 
and stubborn to the point where you're past feeling, where, where the point is you don't care anymore. Let me illustrate. You've heard of the Reverend Sam Workman. Where he lived as a boy, there was a blacksmith shop. He used to call into the shop and speak to the blacksmith whom he knew by name on his way home from the school. And this day in the blacksmith shop, the man was making uh, some horseshoes and he had a piece of uh, iron and it was white hot and he was bringing it out of the furnace and he was soft and he beat it into shape and he put it in and out of the furnace a number of times and he eventually he formed a horseshoe. And then he put it into a bucket of water and whenever he brought it out of the water, he rubbed his hands round the horseshoe and threw it into a pail. And me, Sammy, of course, was amazed at this as a young boy coming out of school, maybe eight, nine or ten. And he went over to the pile and he picked up the horseshoe. He wanted to look at it. You know what boys are like, are curious. And the minute he picked it up, he, he threw it down again because it was burning his hand. Now, it was black. The old blacksmith seen what he was at. He went over and picked it up and rubbed his hands around it. Handed it to Sammy. Of course, Sammy took it. This is the second time into his hand, thinking it would be cooler now. And the minute it touched his hand, he threw it down again. And again, the old blacksmith, he laughed. and went over and picked it up and rubbed it again and said to Sammy, well, touch it the third time. Sammy touched it the third time. And this time, he just sort of tipped it with his fingers. But the minute he touched it, again, he threw it down because it was still hot. And uh, the blacksmith picked it up again. And he, Sammy said to him, how can you do that? And he held up his hands. The hands were burnt. The hands were scarred. And he said, my hands are past feeling. Tender hands are toughened hands that are past feeling. See, is that a picture of you tonight? You're forgetting your soul. But more than that, you're resisting the Holy Ghost is speaking to you. And, and you're troubled about your sin. And the reality is in your lifestyle, you're breaking your father and mother's heart. And you're saying, but they're my lifestyle choices. But the lifestyle choices are resisting the Spirit of God. Maybe you have a loved one in heaven tonight. You want to see them again. But you'll never see them until you respond in a favorable, faithful way to the voice of God. I remember a lady saying to me in County Armagh, invite her along to a mission. It was being held in Tandergee that she wouldn't come. And I asked her why. And she said this, because God will speak to me if I go to that mission. And I'd have to repent and get saved. And I don't want to. Because I love my sin. And of course it turned out, I didn't know to later, but that woman was living in an immoral, adulterous relationship with another man. And uh, it was behind her husband's back. And of course her, she knew in the house of God her sin would be exposed. How many are visibly moved. And yet they resist God's spirit. Let me tell you something else quickly. They forget the return of the Savior. Here's another part of this peril. Is this not the church's forgotten doctrine that Jesus Christ is coming back? 
This age in which we live one day is going to come to an end. Read Matthew 24. What's the world like prior to the return of Christ? Well, the world is going to be full of religious deceivers. People saying, I am Christ. False religion and false cults. They're on the rise. And we can witness that. A day of apostasy. A day of heresy. There's going to be wars. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. We're already seeing that. We're seeing an increasing disease. Famine, earthquakes and tsunamis. A rise of persecution. The martyrdom of saints, the rise of iniquity that abounds because of the love of the many that wax cold. There's a falling away from the true faith. And of course, there's the spread of the gospel going out all over the world. And I asked this evening this question, what if Jesus Christ were to return tonight? There's a father told his son that he was leaving the home for a few months in business and he'd return when the fall would come. And the wee fella said to daddy, but when is the fall? And the daddy said, son, when you look out the window, see those green leaves in the tree, when they turn yellow, begin to turn brown and turn red and fall to the ground, when they start falling to the ground around that time, I will return. And remember what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 24. He said this in Matthew 24 in verse uh, 44. He made this statement. Listen to these words as we finish. Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We're living in changing times. And the return of the Savior is imminent. And God the Father has set that prophetic clock when Jesus Christ will return. And here's the peril that many are in. Here's the danger, forgetting the reality of their soul. Forgetting that they're resisting God's spirit who's speaking. And forgetting the imminent return of the Savior. What if he returns and you're left? Remember the story of the five virgins. Ten virgins. Five went into the wedding. And five were shut out. What about the failure to depart from the greatest possible punishment? Here's the fourth reason for hardness of heart. And what was the punishment? Forty years in the wilderness, never entered into Canaan, never entered into the promised land. Out of that whole generation, how many get into the promised land? Joshua and Caleb. Only two out of that whole generation. The rest all died and perished in the wilderness. The rest died in unbelief. And how many will face the greatest possible punishment? Because they hardened their heart, provoked the Lord to wrath and to jealousy and anger because of a failure to hear and heed his voice. Remember, he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and done wonderful works and cast out devils? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The danger of hardening your heart. May the Lord take his word and apply it to all who have heard it this evening.